0: I actually can't plug my headphones in because I don't it has a lightning jack.
1: You should actually like inclu- include all of this in the episode. <laughs> it's
0: been a long time coming.
2: The tide is turning. We tired of running. We rising up. It's been a long time
1: coming. They plot is certain. Shake off that burden and that dirt
2: Hello, hello, hello. Step right up. Welcome to another episode of Raj Nation Innovations. Discover your inner awesome podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I'm the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, a hip-hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. I am joined by my co-host, Victoria Cohen, a.k.a. VC Money. Victoria is the voice behind the blog Almatan and Asana. She's a yoga instructor, a blogger, a health, wellness, and fitness enthusiast. Above all else, she is an activist. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, startup founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions, the questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we hang out with Samira Farr. Samira is a serial entrepreneur as well as a contributing writer to Inc.com. We first met when she wrote a feature on me earlier in 2017, and we have a really amazing conversation around the concept of time. Specifically, we ask the question, what is our relationship with time? Before we dive into the conversation, I want to extend an invitation. If you are not a member already, join our tribe over at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com and to your email address there. You will never miss another episode of this show, getting an email every Monday when we drop a new episode in your inbox so that you can stay up to date with all of the awesome. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Samira Farr asking the question,
0: What is our relationship with time? Let's listen in. And my own journey in entrepreneurship, I started my business when I was 22 years old and like most entrepreneurs, I was extremely impatient with almost everything that came my way. I wanted things to be done, you know, one minute ago, an hour ago, yesterday, like I wanted to be as productive as possible all the time and be on top of it and manage my time super well, super efficiently. And as time went by, like I want to say like somewhere between eight, and nine years, I started to feel like, okay. I could slow down now, I've been running really fast for eight years, and it's probably great for me to slow down a bit and operate at a little bit of a slower pace, so I saw time as fast and slow. And it's funny because in my relationships with my friends, they're always like, God, you're always so on time. It's annoy like they almost get annoyed because then they feel like they have to be on time with me. But I'm that person who shows up to appointments like ten minutes before it starts. I can feel every passing minute. I can gauge, you know, traffic in Los Angeles, like if someone needs to get to a specific part of town, I can tell them exactly what their ETA is going to be because I can feel time so accurately that it's almost like I'm a little bit of a GPS. And so I, I saw it as like, this, like, constantly, like, t- like, a ticking clock sort of, like, lingering in the background, and either I could fill it with all this productive stuff, or I would be, like, slow, and somehow along my journey, I had attributed, like, working slowly to being, um, basically. like, I, I, to being like unworthy in some way like I'm not I'm not doing enough or I'm not a good enough person if I'm working slowly and so that's what was going on for me and then about a year ago I was in a workshop and I had a major breakthrough and the breakthrough was our relationship with abstract things so for me I, I quickly picked up on time because I was like oh my god isn't it interesting that we actually have a relationship to time and, and other you know abstract things in our life and what does that mean? So if I'm in a relationship with time, like let's say I'm dating it, I have a very hostile relationship with it. Either I'm trying to control it or it's trying to attack me. And so that's like, that's when I had realized that I had this big breakthrough of like, okay, it's not about productivity versus you know, so working slow or being unproductive or having quality time or all these sort of like things that people say when they like write articles on how to manage time. It's more about looking at it as a partnership and thinking of it as an individual that you're in a loving relationship with. So now, just to kind of bring it out of the abstract, when I get an email or I'm doing something, I ask my partner, which is time it, are you, you know, what can you contribute to this? Like, so I'm looking at an email and it's like, well, my, my partner, which is time will go. I think that we should wait and not respond. And so this reactionary sort of culture kind of totally goes away because now you're in a loving relationship with time versus a hostile one. And that really causes a ripple effect in everything that we do. And so I feel like, Looking at time as a partner and constantly checking in to see, you know, what, what my relationship is, is, is time important in this decision? Is it important in this response? Is it important as an ingredient to something? So sometimes we look at it as a threat to our project when it's actually an ingredient for the best result of our projects. And that's been extremely revolutionary for me.
2: I feel like you should just like drop the mic and walk out of the room because that was just like amazing. <laughs> like I, I wrote down like seven or eight different yeah, notes while you were talking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let's, let's unpack this because I, lo- I love how you frame that up and I love the idea of thinking about it as mm-hmm. a relationship. You know, something I've been saying for, for years is that there are two, maybe three things we spend, money, energy, and time. Yeah. If we spent money the way we spend time, we would be broke in a day. Because think about all the things in a given day that attract your attention to that you could spend money on like any billboard, right? That's that, that's <laughs> yeah. you giving money, right? More or less. Like if you were to if you were to give away money like the way we give away time,
1: mm-hmm. you okay. would
2: not have a whole lot of money very quickly because we we when someone spend asks frivolously exactly we spend our spend time our, frivolously. so frivolously someone asks us if we can do something yeah sure without actually thinking how does that impact my day mm-hmm. um we look at um you know like like you said like the email that comes in oh i've got to respond to this right now well really do you or is the world going to stop if you wait you know an hour and get the thing done that's actually most important to you right now and it's interesting that and I, I love how you frame it as a relationship, and it's a hostile relationship because you're right. Like that's that's what it comes down to. Is if we if we don't have respect for our own time, it's it's being in that abusive relationship,
0: or it's pimping your
1: yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you know well and I think it's I think it's too bad because I think a lot of us are in the same boat as you are in that you know we think that if we're not doing something or doing something quickly or you know ahead of everything by you know hours and hours or days whatever that we're somehow behind or we're not living up to the expectations that exist today that you are always on. You're always there to answer right away. You're there to answer questions in the middle of the night, (laughs) you know, at six in the morning, whatever. So I think this is a timely (laughs) question um, or discussion because I think there's so many people that do feel like their time is something they have to be using I don't even know if using is the right word, that that they have to be filling it all the time instead of slowing down. Like this is like something that I've been working on over the last year or two and I haven't made that much headway, but I've been (laughs) thinking about working on it a lot is instead of just trying to get things done and check the boxes, enjoying the process of actually doing those things. And I think that sort of ties in with, Having that healthy relationship with time, like, okay, I don't have to just get these things done just to get them done so that I've, you know, done them in a really fast, efficient manner. But what more could I get out of them if I actually devoted more time to them and did them in like a more methodical way,
0: you know? Yeah. So what helps me is when I'm dealing with abstract um, things like time is to kind of give them a face and imagine that I'm, li- that I'm living in a you know, cartoon-like animated world. So time is like my, my girlfriend or my wife and I'm the husband or the protector or you know, the masculine out there in like, the world and she is my, my lover. And I can decide whether I want to constantly, like, give her away and, you know, basically whore her out, (laughs) or I can be present with her. And so I'm actually, I'm thinking of writing an article about this, but it's about instead of thinking productivity, thinking presence, because oftentimes if we're present in each moment, we're actually far more productive than if we're chasing productivity. And so to be present with her as 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 a as like a a being like if you think of time as a being to just be present with her like she's your your lover or maybe your daughter or your child um, And she doesn't like to go into the outside world um, so much. And so you decide when to take her to the outside world and give her away and have her socialize with people. And so that's like very like dreamlike and cartoon like or fantasy like. And if you apply that to each moment, it's like it becomes um, it becomes a situation where It's not so much like creating systems and it's more about remembering that her or, you know, you can switch it around and make it a him, but remembering her, him and having them be present with you all the time, sort of like as an imaginary being and like checking in with them and that checking in. Causes you to then be present in each moment, and then allows you to make a, you know an altered decision in each moment instead of being reactionary. Because sometimes I think if we over system, systematize ourselves, then we're not being present. We're like we're like sort of being uh, I don't know what the word being, yeah <laughs> we're being robots and we're also being um, what is I, this word is escaping me? You know when you're just kind of like autopilot yeah autopilot you're just on autopilot and you're not present at all and if somebody wants you to make a decision when you're on autopilot it's like where are you making a decision from is it your heart is it your head because you're like not there because you're on autopilot so any decision that comes from that place might likely will be a bad decision which will have negative consequences so it's like not not over systematizing and actually just like deciding in each moment by checking in with this sort of imaginary being which is kind of funny when you think about it because as children we we really use our imagination a lot and we use it to play and we use it to engage with other children but then like we grow up and society wants us to be a certain way and imagination is thought of as weird but it's actually really helpful in situations like this so i would i would you know, put a face to it or put a character to it. Like whatever, you know, floats your boat, use your imagination to kind of give it shape and life so that you're in a relationship with it. And it's not something that you're like, oh, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do this. It's more like checking in each time to see what you are and aren't going to do.
2: This idea of not (laughs) over-systematizing it... um that that's a new one for me mainly because there's so so there's so much so many people out there right now like you know quote-unquote productivity experts etc mm-hmm. you know people who, like the online bloggers it's and, and them who will talk about the importance mm-hmm. of having a routine and sticking to that routine and creating these systems that you know like like tim ferris your life to the extreme mm-hmm. um which it has its time and place Ah, it has its time. and plays, uh, and, place. and <laughs> <So neat. laughs> it does work to an extent. But what I have realized over the last, I'd say, several months is, if you operate, so most of the, I would say, uh, most, if not all, of those people who talk about the importance of like, have these things that you like, you know, you do every day. You don't, you know, you don't break from it no matter what, like that kind of stuff. And and I, and I have rituals, deg- yeah, rituals. rituals. Like, and and I, I would say, like, I have a degree of that. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that like my phone goes on do not disturb at eleven pm. it doesn't go off of do not disturb until nine am. Like I don't need to be getting pings while I'm trying to sleep, right? Like that that should be in, uninterrupted at time, which more which honestly, a lot of people 10 hours of sleep. no, no, sorry, I'm not sleeping until nine am. It's that I wake up. I know, <laughs> good point. I, get it, I, I get wake it. up and then the first few hours of my day like are not just... interrupted by a phone call or a text message. I can just do important nice. work. <laughs> yeah,. <laughs> okay. However, Like, like, and that's like the extent of it. And I I used to do also like, and I won't take a meeting before 11 a.m. because that's going to interrupt, you know, my day. But what I started to see over time was that the people who are touting that type of lifestyle and that type of scheduling, the work they do does not involve other people. Yeah. Because while, yes, I need to respect my time as best as I can, I also can't be a dick about other people's time. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) if someone cannot meet, at 2 p.m. and the only time they can meet is 9 30 in the morning you know what I've got like I've got to get paid like my I I can't just tell my clients you know what no I actually don't take meetings before 10 a.m. because what if they were to come to me and be like you know what I actually don't take meetings at 2 p.m. like there has to be some some give there at the end of the day And, and anyways I bring this up to say like I think there's there's the extreme on one end of having zero control over your calendar and everything is scheduled and everything is is whoring out your time and feeling like you have no time for yourself. But then there's the other extreme, which is what all the people, all the, you know, all these influential online marketers, all these bloggers and everything are touting, which is be so structured with everything that you have total control over your day. But that end of the extreme, I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to venture to say almost all if not all of them do some type of work where they are the only person involved in their day.
0: Right. That's a very interesting point. And it's funny that you mentioned Tim Ferriss because I'm pretty sure he does work alone. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually, it, yeah, I've been following him since I was very young. Um, I've tried a lot of the things that he said and they are interesting for sure. They're, some of them are not for me. Um, some of them I try to transform and implement in my own way. But the interesting thing about Tim Ferriss is that his goal is to be an efficient productive strong winning machine so it's, it's quite the opposite of what i'm saying which is like to be in a more fluid relationship with time with life um, and i think that those are different goals totally uh, different. i i i also want to chime into what you were saying about you know oversystematizing and and being available for other people because um, I was talking with a friend of mine one time and her schedule is very restrictive and she's a very busy person and she, I, I don't remember what we were talking about. I asked her something like, well, why don't you just check in with check in with how you feel at that moment? She's like, cause I don't have time to feel my feelings. <laughs> and, I realized that the reason why people don't trust themselves to be present is because it requires you to be in your heart or with your feelings in that moment and a lot of people have so much suppressed stuff that to be present would mean that all the things that they've been avoiding would just come up in the present moment and be so overwhelming for them that they wouldn't be able to know what to do with themselves so they'd rather follow some sort of autopilot systematic strategy so that they don't have to actually see how they feel. And. That's a good. That's a good. You know, you can do that for a short period of time, but that will catch up to you. And I don't know what the consequence is. I think it'll be different for each person. It might be um, some sort of failure in your business or some sort of health issue. I don't know. But for me, my the, you know past the past year, my biggest breakthrough was. not having that hostile relationship, not pouring out time, and being more fluid with it. Sometimes I will take I, I, like you, don't like to take morning meetings before 11am, and I think that's why we had to schedule this a month in advance. So I, I like to have my mornings to myself, and so Sometimes I will take a morning meeting. I check in every single time I make a decision. Some things are like, oh yes, I definitely want to do this tomorrow morning. And sometimes it's no, but there isn't this sort of like rigid strictness that it takes away my relationship with time. Like I am constantly talking to it or her or him, and, and being in flow with it. And I'm not like trying to be abusive with it or having it abuse me. Um, and, Another thing to mention is sometimes it's not so much about decision making, but it's also about fear because we we might be in a project or we might be trying to close a deal or in some sort of um, like legal situation, and we're like, we keep thinking, we have this sort of like antsiness, or at least I have experiences for sure, uh, where I feel like the more time is passing, the closer I am to my doom, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. I'm as though time is a threat to my actual result of whatever I'm working on or whatever I'm going through when in fact oftentimes it's working in your favor it just you it's your responsibility to hold the tension. And I think that it's so hard for us to hold tension and hold our feelings that we quickly want to just like be done with something and get it out of the way um, or close a deal, even if it means that the deal closes for like a less do- a lesser dollar amount, but we just don't want to hold the tension, the tension of being in relationship with time. And isn't that interesting? Like, is it an interesting to like give it shape and form and realize that it's really a, t- a tension with the abstract that... That's like you know stirring us up and making us think that time is against us when really oftentimes it's definitely for us and for our benefit,
2: yeah man you just got you you keep having these mic drop moments <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and I'm like all right how do how do I follow this up now and add value here but yeah okay that that tension piece is really interesting, and I think for the for the reason that there's this perception that everything does need to be rushed. And if it's, you're not rushing, you're not being productive Mm -hmm. to which your earlier point, maybe it's not about productivity, maybe it's about presence. And those are two wildly different things. Uh, I think you can be present while being productive, but that's not a given. And I'd say maybe in more cases, maybe you're not present when you are focused on being productive. And especially when you think about kind of like the, the news culture we've created is, you know, uh, the, the sports commentator, Dan Patrick, he does a radio show every morning, and he used to be an anchor on ESPN, and then he had like a messy fallout with them. So he'll he'll take shots at ESPN every now and then. And what he'll say is, uh, the philosophy there is first but wrong is still first. Mm-hmm. And rather than get the story right, they, ESPN and even just, I'd say larger media outlets, not just sports related, they would rather be first to the story than Get it, then get the story right, or or it, it's a half truth story rather than wait and see what is the so real. So now we have here. to run
1: around being like, "Well, I heard this thing, and I, I don't know if it was true or not." <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: And that, <laughs> and, and I think that builds into the tension because then if that's if if what you're being fed is okay, we got the story out quickly. We got the story out quickly, and then people are able to see it faster and faster and faster then it creates, okay, well, maybe in my life, the tension is, is growing, With you know, unconsciously. The tension's growing because I'm not doing things fast enough. I'm not keeping up.
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely the culture that we're in. It's like, go, go, go. And if you're sleeping eight hours, well, you're probably sleeping too much, and you should be up doing more stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It, it is. kind of
0: is. It is terrible, and that's why I'm so excited to talk about it because I think it's so important, especially as um, the younger generation... Only knows what it's like to interact with media, social media, and our phones and our smartphones. I feel like it it definitely ruins our relationship with ourselves and with you know life and time and money and all of these things. And so I think it's extra important to bring conversation and light around these types of subjects because I don't know what world we'll be living in (laughs) if 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 everyone is like we will be. uh, the robot to our technology, like if Mm -hmm. it will be controlling us. And I, that's scary to me.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting how you said that about, um, younger generations and interacting with our phones and how that can like damage our relationships with ourselves is that we really are never just alone with ourselves anymore, ever. Are you ever just by yourself and you actually just sit there and think, as opposed to looking at your phone. I mean, I'm not. Sometimes, I'm, yes, but okay, only because Raj, I'm aware probably, of it. Yeah, no, no, exactly. and I have to make no, no, like, no, no, a concerted
2: too. effort to do it. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm saying,
1: but for the most part, yeah. most people aren't. They're like, okay, I'm by myself. I better look at my phone and consume something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of probably plays back to people not wanting to be alone with their thoughts because then they actually have to do some real soul searching and some real deep thinking. And how scary is that? That like, People aren't doing that anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could not agree more, and I'll tell you, I was was one of those people many years ago that was scared of just being by myself, because I was like, what? I can't, I can't. I have to be with, you know, I have to, like, make plans and go to dinner or, like, be talking to someone or be working. Like, I couldn't just have this sort of, like, dull downtime, and... I, I'm also somebody who likes to face all of my fears one at a time, and so the time came where I had to face the fear of just being with myself, with nothing, with no TV, with no phone, with no people, for like hours on end, and I, it, turned, it turned out to be a lot longer than a few hours, it turned out to be that I actually needed to do that for a few months, and really work through some things internally to, like, clean up my own sort of closets in my house. And um, it was the most valuable experience I think I've had uh, in my personal life. I, so I recommend it. I, How did you do that?
1: I Like, left. literally, just, like, a couple days? You just, like, sta- yeah. stayed home? Did you do, like, a silent retreat?
0: Well, well, <laughs> we fully did, full, full disclosure, I... I thought that I thought that I needed a couple of days or a week, so I told you know the people that I usually talk to, mainly like my parents and some of my friends. Like I told them, hey guys, I need some time to just be with myself. If you don't mind, uh, don't call me. And they were like, okay, you're being weird. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're being weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that turned into a much weirder situation where I actually took three months of that. Wow. And I didn't even leave town. I just stayed in my own home and I didn't talk to anybody in my life except for the people that I work with for three months. And I tried to be with myself as much as possible. And it is unbelievable how much more time I had and how scary it was. But I just let myself go there and just drown in whatever came up. And like, instead of being resistant to it, I like kind of dove in with curiosity like if something painful came up i'd be like oh what is this pain like dear pain tell me about yourself why are you here what do you want from me and so and so it became this like sort of like inner exploration that actually made me a much more productive and present person isn't that surprising (laughs) so i i i recommend it i think there's um a YouTube video of Louis C.K. where he talks about how people are always on the phone when they're driving.
2: You're in your car and you start going, oh, no, here it comes that I'm alone. Like it starts to visit on you, <laughs> you know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving. <laughs> And then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second.
0: It's so, it's so true and so on point.
2: And I'll tell you, as someone who drives every day, I frequently, <laughs> at the end of the day, I frequently look to make phone calls to people because I'm just like,
1: no, you use Siri to send Well, yeah, messages. I send text
2: using Siri because I'm going to text and drive, which always end up like Siri never gets what I'm saying correctly. <laughs> so then the text end up getting misinterpreted. Or what's actually amazing is when you hear Siri read an emoji to you, and it'll be that's like, true. it'll be like, Victoria said, well, I guess that's just how shit goes, smiling pile of poop. <laughs> <Not really>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what poop emoji is, smiling pile of poop. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> um, but you know every every day when i like almost every day i will find someone in my phone to call and and a lot of that is like you know this is a good time to catch up with someone who i haven't spoken with but part of it is just like i'm going stir crazy in my car just not being able to like talk to anyone even though on most days i'm spending most of the day talking to people and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it is that almost that and and i would say i'm i'm probably better than most people i know anyway in terms of being comfortable with silence but even with that It's like, I hate just like being in the car and, and yeah, I can listen to music too. But then I'm like, ah I feel like I need to just talk to someone and get, and get, get words out and have, have communication and interaction with someone.
1: But then every yeah. once in a while, I do you have those moments because I do when like I was on a plane recently and I didn't have anything in particular that I like had to do. And I like got really excited to just have like 20 minutes to just like think about something I'd been wanting to think about, but I hadn't felt like I'd had time to really think about. And it was like oddly exciting. I was like, oh, okay, I can think about this now. And it was kind of a weird feeling and then it got me thinking like, wow, isn't that crazy? We don't have time. To think. to think about things. <laughs> or we do have the time we just don't use it wisely to think about the important things we're just like oh i better go check instagram
2: yeah yeah it's like a, it's a default oh let me let me distract myself right mm-hmm. i mean every now and then i will have like a sunday morning where i'm just like i'm just gonna drink this cup of tea and just sit and i'm not gonna watch tv i'm not gonna look at my phone or anything like that and it's you know, maybe it's like 20 30 minutes but it's nice right mm-hmm. you just kind of like you know, and whatever thought comes up, comes up, But you're just kind of, like, there. And you know you're not trying to do anything other than just sit. Which is, a, I would say, in saying that back, that's a meditative practice, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is very ah. yoga-focused, what we've got going on today. <laughs> Being present. <laughs>
2: Samira, I think you came back. You just came from yoga before this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... I, I, I'm like excited to see how I mean it's only been about a year where I, I feel this new relationship with time and I'm very excited to see how it affects and the rest of my life outside of just work but um, the other areas of my life and and to see how it affects my relationships with people actually because I think it it does it, it's all sort of a ripple effect and um, again, it takes time for the ripple effect to fully sort of happen, and so I, I'm excited, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a really big breakthrough and when I see other people struggling with it, it's, I, I, I think of my previous self and I'm like, wow, that's what I used to operate like, like, it's tough, it's not easy to just be always on the go. Let's pause for a hot minute for this
2: quick PSA. Are you part of the startup community? If so, keep listening. If not, go ahead and hit the skip ahead button because this is not going to apply to you. The Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is a property of Raj Nation Innovation. What is Raj Nation Innovation? Well, it's simple. I talk to founders and startup teams every day who flat out tell me, hey, we suck at telling our story. I help remove the suck. Combining a unique background of both branding expertise as well as songwriting expertise from my experience as a hip-hop artist, I take a performance lens and mindset to the world of business communication. Using this approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their story, their go-to-market message, and their pitch so they can raise venture capital and acquire their early customers. Think of me like the Will Smith character Hitch, but for startups. And yes, I will tell you when you're dancing like an idiot. Does this sound like a conversation we should have? If so, head to www.RajNationInnovation.com. That's R A J Nation Innovation.com. Send me a message through there and let's chat. Back now to the podcast. And I hear you on what you're saying, because I struggle with once I get home, it's like I still wanna see I still wanna look at email because like I'm like, oh, maybe a potential new client wants to meet, that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, maybe so-and-so wants me to speak at something and it's like, I'm like, I get, I get excited to maybe find out that information, but to the point where it's like, okay, but what am I really gaining if I find this information out now at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night versus if I just wait until 9.30 Wednesday morning to look at my email again?
0: Right. Or alternatively, you can look at your email not be super resistant to it, but you can... Not respond, you can just sit with it
2: mm, at uh, whatever you
0: see yeah. and not respond until you feel like it's time to respond.
2: And I will say, sometimes I do that when I know the response is going to take some thought. And it's like, if I just, if I thumb this out on my phone, I'm going to actually like probably forget that I sent it and it's going to have spelling errors and all that stuff. And I need to actually <laughs> sit down and be able to like think about what do I need to say here. And right. and then I think there are sometimes you'll get messages that do warrant that. And what's interesting when you talk about just now and even before, earlier, you mentioned like how now your relationship with time is such where, say you get like an inbound request for something, you'll ask your partner time and be like, is this something I want to address now or later? And if you recall, I think it was back in February, I had, I had emailed you and said, hey, do you want to be a guest on this show? And I, I think your response was, hey, yes, but right now is not the right time. Let's circle back in a few months. And then a few months later, I circled back, and you were like, yeah, now's a good time.
0: <laughs> See, there you go. And I, that's, that's, that's exact, I had forgotten about that, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. Or um, recently, a girlfriend of mine who lives in New York wanted to make an introduction for somebody to um, call me and ask me for advice or whatever, you know, pick my brain or whatever. And so those are oh, always – The dreaded pick brain. Yeah, you know, you're gonna get like so many questions, and they're all hard. They're all like, they're not easy to answer. You're like, can you just narrow it down to three questions? (laughs) So, so I, I do like to be there for people. I want to be as supportive as possible because I've only ever been faced with supportive people myself, and I want to be a part of that, um, a part of that flow. I don't want to, you know, not be there for other people, but it was not a it was not a convenient time for me and so i responded and said i would love to be introduced to her in three weeks (laughs) you know so i think it is really important like sometimes people fear setting those boundaries and they might not respond to the person because they just don't want to say no or they don't want to say, hey, I do want to do this, but not right now or whatever. And so they come off as being unresponsive people or unreliable people when in fact they're just sort of like having this like inner struggle about, I don't know how to like respond to say no or to say yes but not now and it's so simple all you have to do is say no or yes but not now and I think that's much more appreciated than being ghosted and that applies even outside of work you know so that's another really important one Um, and that's why I was saying isn't it interesting how one one thing in our life which is time and our relationship to it can have such a deep and profound effect across so many areas of our life and imagine if we had a healthy relationship with time and then also then began to look at our relationship with other things like money, like our bodies, like our thoughts or what, you know, we can keep going on forever. But time is a really interesting one because people don't think about it. It's not sort of on the forefront. Whereas like money is always a conversation um, or like our bodies are always a conversation. Time is like intangible and abstract and a little bit harder to hold on to. So people don't really. They don't talk about the relationship that we have with it as much. They just talk about how to control it, and that's a controlling relationship. So that's not healthy either. Um, so it's all—I think it's all very interesting. And um, we are—we are very powerful beings to be able to like constantly evolve and shift and relate to things in a new way, and then see a result. I think that's the most incredible part about you know just being human. So and that that's
2: an interesting kind of point I want to bring up now which is the idea and as you talk about that like you said, you know, hey, right now is not the best time, three weeks I'd love that introduction. This is where what we need to acknowledge is that time when it involves other people, time is a shared experience. And I don't think enough people are aware of that. And when I say a shared experience, I mean your you know you're taking time out of your day that person is taking time out of their day and depending on the nature of the of the meeting or whatever it could it, it, in one sense it could be more of like you're taking their time they're giving their time versus both of you giving your time to something like kind of mutually beneficial and you to, to understand like what type of a interaction is going to be is to is to get a grip on Okay, am I taking time from this person or am I giving time to this person? And then you can start to appreciate and respect maybe what they're going through. And, and the example that comes to mind for me, which I know Victoria I've told you about this before, but I had someone reach out to me and they said in their message, "Hope you're doing good. I'm reaching out to you for some help. I completely understand that you have a busy schedule, but your insight could really help my career. Please let me do know. Please do let me know if we can catch up sometime." And what that message is saying, I completely understand that you have a busy schedule, but your insight could really help my career is saying, I know you're really busy, but I don't care because I need something and you have to give me this thing that I need. And when I saw it, I was like, my God, like this is, and I almost wanted to like coach that person on like how to communicate, but I didn't. And I gave a respectful <laughs> response, but I basically was like, hey, like I, I honestly, like I can't make this a priority, I'm sorry. Um, but that's the type of stuff is to understand, you know, are you taking the time in that scenario or are you, able to, are you giving time in that, in that scenario? And in this case, it, was, it was, if someone's reaching out to me for like a career chat, then they are inherently, they're gonna be taking my time. And there's a much better way to structure that than to say, I know you're busy, but I need something. And because I need something, you have to give me something.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point is the give and take of it as well. I think that's really important. So what do you feel um, would have been a better way to ask you.
2: I would, I, so what I always appreciate is when someone is like, hey, I know you're really busy or you know, whatever they want to say. And then if they're able to say like, um, you know, specifically like, here are the things like, like I'm uh, trying, like I'm working on. I know you have expertise in this area. I have a couple, I have a, like a couple specific questions I want to run by you and get your thoughts on. Like, you know, is it too much to ask for, like, 10 minutes of your time? And generally someone's like, oh, 10 minutes? Yeah, I can do that. And you know what? That'll probably end up as, like, a 30-minute conversation naturally. Um, yeah. But but don't, basically, don't come into it. And I don't say this as someone who's like, oh, I'm so almighty and important. I say this, like, in terms of anyone, who like, to understand how to communicate about time is, like, don't don't go into it looking at it as, or basically treating it as a situation as, like, I need something, give, give, give me, right? Look at it in terms of like, what value can they bring? Can you bring to the table? If you are looking for someone's time, if you are looking to meet with someone, how can you provide value to that interaction and how can you communicate that value? So for example, what this person maybe could have said, and this person was um, a student, maybe what they could have said is something like, um, you know, I know you're you're a mentor at the university or whatever, like something like that. this, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to, um, you know, in helping me out, I think it'd be a great opportunity for you to kind of like reinforce some of the knowledge you're already sharing. You know, that's that's off the top of my head, but that's an idea of looking at how can you communicate that you can also bring value to to the table.
0: Right. So it's funny that you say that she was, or she or you as a student, because often that happens to me where a student will email me and they really It's hard. They really don't have much to give someone who's a lot older than them, unless they were gonna like be like, "Hey, I want to come an intern for you." So what what I like to do, and I don't know if this is something you would do, but I respond with, "I actually can't get on the phone with you or have coffee with you, but what you can do is email me a list of ten questions in bullet point format, and I will do my best to respond. You know, when it's convenient for me, and." They're really they're also really thankful for even that. I think probably they sent out 20 emails and only two people answer. Yeah. I, mean, I remember being that person. I, I used to cold email um, professionals, you know wanting to pick their brain or, or trying to like get my foot in the door somewhere. and it was it's part of the process I think of growing up and also learning how to be resourceful and make connections from nothing. Um, So I I admire their their initiative. It's just a matter of like again you responding with what's convenient for you, you know. And you're and you don't outside of time. Me giving someone my giving my time to someone. Sometimes I just don't even want to talk to a stranger. I'm just not in the mood to talk to a stranger. But I don't mind answering an email. So like. Yeah. And I don't know if you feel that way, but I'm like, I'm not in the mood to meet you for coffee. I don't know you. I don't want to meet you for coffee. Um, Yes, I have extrovert skills, but I'm quite introverted. I'd like to go home when I'm done with my day, not come and meet, you know, someone a decade younger than me just to (laughs) chit-chat. Sometimes I am. Food, you know so like it depends like just like it depends on when you catch me or what's going on in my life and I think that's true for everyone it depends what's going on in their life both in, in and out of work and so I like you you doing what's convenient for you and your relationship with time often actually benefits the other person too like we do have a shared relationship with time but like it actually benefits the other person than being in resistance of it if that makes sense like just saying hey you know, I can't get on the phone with you, but why don't you just shoot over three important questions? I think that's more beneficial than like, no, I can't talk to you at all.
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think um, there are instances where I'll do things similar to that. Because um, a lot of times, what you and I'm sure you've found this, if you take those like coffee meetings, it's like they don't even know what they want to ask. And they just expect you to just like effuse knowledge on them. <laughs> and it's like, well, I need a starting point here. <laughs> I need to know like what you're what you're interested in. So sometimes I'll do that. Uh, you know, in this case, I specifically said, I appreciate that you value my opinion enough to want to meet. As you can imagine, running my own business, teaching yoga, and making music make for a pretty full schedule. Plus, I need to find time for a social life too! That said, the only career conversations I can make a priority anymore are if you book a session with me via Muse.com, because I still do some coaching through them. Um, basically, I'm saying, like, you know, like, when I do career coaching, people are paying me for it, and that's really all I can make time for. Uh, if it's going to be a career chat Um, and she was a grad student so it's not like it was totally like undergrad or whatever and totally naive but um, you know that's that's I think that's like its own litmus test because that person ultimately did not book time with me so you know maybe they weren't in the best financial situation but at the same time maybe how strong was their initiative or you know their resolve in the first place and another thing too I think is there are sometimes people will ask me questions or like, they'll email me wanting to meet about something and I'll be like, and it's like, it's, if you did a quick Google search or just looked at anything I have online, you would see like, I, I wrote something about this and they haven't like even like taken the time to do that, like three minutes of back check to be like, hey, he's already talked about this. Why don't I come to him and say, hey, you wrote about this. I have one more follow-up question for you instead of just, you know, being totally you know blind about the process. Right. And I hope I'm not coming off as like all high and mighty. I think it's no, not at all. Because that's how I try and go to other people. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally, totally. I think just everyone's so different, like that, to for whatever reason, and maybe I'm just like not sought after enough yet to like be an. You'll get there. (laughs) But like it does. No, but but people do often like say things to me, and I'm like, I I've literally blogged about that exactly and you kind of act like you listen but like that doesn't actually bother me at all so i i'm like the kind of person i do not mind repeating myself a million times i know some people really don't like that and they're like you should have already done your homework and no that's just like not a personal thing that bothers me like i'm happy to like share the same thing over um but i totally get that if if you're really busy and you feel like I've shared this knowledge out in the world in whatever capacity and if you really want to consume it and you want to consume my opinion on it you there are other ways that you can do it. So I totally get that. And I think that's just everyone sort of figuring out, like I I like continuing to engage in those same conversations, even if I'm kind of repeating myself because maybe I learned something new or I get something new out of sharing maybe the same thing. So that to me is like a worthwhile use of my time, but I can totally see where you might feel like this is not a worthwhile use of my time to have this same conversation or to impart the same knowledge or whatever it is. And maybe that's not even explaining it the way you feel Feel, but it, it, I think with this whole concept of time, everyone has very different views on that relationship. Like, if you're putting a face on time, we, you probably put a very different face than I do, and your time might have a different reaction to questions than my time might. And yeah. I think that's probably what's like so important about developing this relationship that we're talking about with time is that discovering that they're all a little different and you have to do what works for you.
2: Well, and, and I say this, everything I'm saying, I say from the vantage point of someone who has, so heavily given away my time totally. in the past and is totally. like making a concerted effort to take some of that back. Because yep. that's the only way I'm gonna be able to survive as a human being. Totally. You know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> and you have to and you have to make that decision. And like I'm saying, I, I haven't been like sought after nearly as much as probably you have from like a mentor standpoint yet. So I may get to that point where I'm like, okay, too much. Right. <laughs> the you know, right. pump the brakes. Um so I totally get it.
2: Yeah. You know, and one more thing, Samira, that I did yeah. actually yesterday was for, for whatever reason, in the last two to three months, I've had an insane number of people reach out wanting to talk to me about advice on starting a podcast. And I don't know, like, what's happened in the last two it's to three months. It's because I've done on the show. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. So I don't know what's happened, but a crazy, like, like double digits of people have reached out to me about, hey, I was wondering if I get your advice on starting a podcast. And, like, I even, you know, recently did a talk on how to start mm-hmm. a podcast uh, at an incubator here in Chicago. And then... I've it's been on my mind for a while because I've been getting so many of these requests to just write like a mega blog post on everything I know about how to start a podcast. And then yesterday, another person reached out and he was like, Hey, and he's someone who I, I know through a, you know, a network that I'm part of. And he was like, Hey, I was wondering if I could, you know, come pick your brain get, uh, over coffee about starting a podcast. It's on my mind. And my reply was, Hey, let's do this. Like, let me know if you think this is fair. I've had so many people reach out to me about this exact same thing, and it's been on my mind to write a super long blog post explaining every single point of detail I know about this topic. Since it's been on my mind, how about this? I plan to write this article now in the next two weeks. Once it's up, give it a read through. And if you still feel it's necessary that we meet, I'm happy to have that conversation. And if I actually don't get around to this in the next two weeks, then we can totally book time to meet and I'll tell you everything I know. But let me see if I can actually just get this thing done and maybe this will be the catalyst to to get it done. And I was like, is that fair? And he was like, he replied and he was like, oh, that's totally fair, I hear you. So, you know, I feel like, I I feel like maybe something, maybe like the final, like the 18th request is the one where I'm like, okay, now I have to just like formalize this and put it somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's a good point
2: let's transition now before we wrap up and talk talk quickly about you know a little bit more about your background and what you're working on so you're a serial entrepreneur uh with three businesses under your belt in your young career uh you also write for inc.com that's how we met because you wrote a lovely piece on me several months ago Uh um, which works great for credibility (laughs) and but when we look at kind of your body of work you've, you've been in a few different industries um Tell us, tell our listeners though, why it's about more than just being an entrepreneur, and more more than just about being a journalist.
0: Um, I'm sorry. Can you say that more more than being more? Yeah, than like what? you
2: know, for for you personally, like why why is doing these businesses and, and writing for like why is it about more than just being an entrepreneur? Like, what does it mean to you personally, and, and why is it about more than just writing? Like, what what does that give you?
0: Ah, uh, um, I think. So I started on my path when I was very young, but in hindsight, I think that intuitively I knew that in order for me to grow as a human and expand my everything, my knowledge, my, my brain, my heart, my, just my creativity, just to continuously expand, I would need to be in a non-conventional job role. Uh, so I. I threw myself quickly into one business and started it from scratch. And I think that every entrepreneur would agree with me that when you start a business, you really do learn a lot more than you had anticipated to learn. And sometimes about things that you really don't care about, um, you you just need to have it done. And so writing, writing for me is also a, a creative outlet that allows me to access, um, A my imagination, B sort of my philosophical and abstract abstract thinking, um, and seeing how things link together as I interview people and kind of cover topics on, you know, how to be more effective or how to communicate or you know whatever it is as an entrepreneur. I think that taking doing it from the angle of writing and having to teach other people um and have an audience allows me to activate a part of myself that probably wouldn't be activated if I was just simply working so i'm always seeking out experiences um that help me expand and so if we're going to throw other titles you know onto my list like entrepreneur writer we can also throw in all the other stuff that i didn't get paid for that i just do personally like you know um sort of spiritual guide or a yogi or, you know, a Pilates person. I mean, I've done a ton of things in my life. And I, I think it's interesting how we like tether ourselves to our title when it's really about the experiences we're having. And one neat thing about being an entrepreneur is that it's pretty broad and you can be in multiple different industries and get a lot of experiences, but it's more than just being a business person. It's about... Seeing how it all relates together, creativity, the logistics of the real world, um, money, um, marketing—you know, uh, legal, legal things—and then how those all tie back into your just day-to-day life. How they tie back into your body, into your diet habits, and there's obviously a lot of sort of gurus out there that touch upon these things. Like Tim Ferriss is one of them. He's all about being productive, but then he gets into things like your diet is important and here's how you should work out. And then there's the whole bulletproof culture and that's obviously a business, but it's also about, you know, your day to day life. And I think people are starting to realize more that there are more linked than we originally thought. Maybe 50 years ago, everything was a little bit more fragmented. And now things are starting to become more fluid. So I would, it's hard for me to be like, Hey, I'm, I own this business. This is what I do, period. Because they do a lot more More than that, in order to be able to do what I do, I have to continuously expand to to kind of fit my own role better, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Where can our listeners uh, get in touch with you if you are willing to give out your time?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you inkcom if you just Google ink.com Samira Far, that's S-A-M-I-R-A-F-A-R. And then if somebody wants to subscribe to my newsletter, SamiraFar.com, it's literally just, just a page to subscribe um, to my newsletter, which is my articles, and I only send them out maybe once a month. Um, I don't send out anything else and I do not sell the email list to anybody. And I'm always willing to connect to people because I do have boundaries. So if I don't want to meet them in person, I'll find another way to connect with them. So anyone can email me at samirafar@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
2: Awesome. All right. So then to wrap up uh, our conversation today, the topic is or was, what is our relationship with time? So let's do this. Let's answer what's our relationship with time and then how can you change or improve that relationship? Victoria, we'll start with you. This is
1: hard. (laughs) I think uh, I hadn't thought about it really until this past hour, but I think my relationship with time is probably kind of hostile currently. And I like the idea of trying to put more of a face with it and trying to make it more of a part of the conversation when I'm deciding what to do, when to do, how to do it. So that will be my goal.
2: My answer for what's our relationship with time, and then how do we improve it? I think it's a shitty relationship, <laughs> uh, to use your words, uh, Samira. It, it's a hostile relationship, and to echo what Victoria just said, uh, I, I think the way to improve it is to, um, you know, I, I, I think what it what it really comes down to is the idea of understanding. The time you have is an experience, and if you look at it as an experience, you'll start to prioritize, what are the experiences I want to have? Not just, as opposed to, do I have time for this, yes or no? Because you'll probably always lie to yourself on if you have time for something. Samira, what is our relationship with time and how do we improve it?
0: Well, my relationship with time currently is of curiosity. I am curious to see to learn more what, what time means and what it, what it means to me and what I mean to it and um, what it has to teach me and now that I'm not in a hostile relationship with it. Now that we're sort of making amends and growing together, what does time have to teach me? I, that's where I stand today, and it's ever-evolving, so we'll see where we're at later.
2: I love it. Samira Far. thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was really
2: a pleasure. We will talk soon.
0: Thank you. That wrapped up
2: our conversation with Samira Farr. Samira, just drop the mic and walk on out because that was a mind-blowing experience. Loved everything you had to say and just a phenomenal conversation. I don't know what else to say about it besides that. Did you, the listener, also find it phenomenal? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, and therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. Here's a recent review from user Ranger Daddy. The topics on this podcast are not only relevant, but they are honest and open conversations about the ups and downs of business. It's definitely not all hype, but instead a resource of what to do. Thank you, Ranger Daddy. Take 30 seconds and leave a review like that of your own. We would greatly appreciate it. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or the various other platforms in which you can find the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Samira's contact information can be found at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. You can also check out our almost, we are approaching, almost 100 episode archive of amazing, awesome episodes while you are there. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Samira Far for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.
0: Ignore it. This fight is urgent. We rise in love. some time with yourself get to know your essence and then you won't ever like feel like you need to tie yourself to these sort of artificial things on the outside
2: I remember a couple years ago. I did this like I realized When I was sitting in the living room and and I could have even been like watching TV So it wasn't even like a complete silence. It was just like I was in the living room and my phone was in the bedroom Something like felt off, you know (laughs) <laughs> it was almost like I needed the comfort of having it in a radius around like a reachable radius right. right. But I acknowledged that and I was like, okay, let me work on this And then I just continued to sit with like not having the phone in the same room as me and I got okay and I became okay with it, but only because I was like I was I guess aware enough to be like wait This is strange that something feels wrong <laughs> if my phone is not in an arms arms reach of me
0: Yeah And it's it's crazy I mean, I don't know what's happening in our world We're it's an intense time period we're living through for sure, especially with everything going on right now. Like, I feel like it's, it's even more important for us to kind of dive in and see what's happening on an individual experience because we are a ripple effect and we do affect other people just by being who we are.
2: Yeah. Well, and it becomes, it, I'm very curious to see how the next you know, generation plays out. Yeah. Um, for the reason that, you know, you talked about on, on the episode, like being present. Yeah. And that's, I think, the biggest thing people don't have, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it to a degree as well, is, is being present. And, and one of the things I'm really curious to see how it plays out is right now, like, like the generation growing up right now is going to be the first generation ever that it will have had no control over their stuff being put online because like all the baby pictures and stuff that are going up right now, you know, when, yeah. we, when we were younger, that didn't exist. You couldn't do that yet. Oh. And so now we're through the first, we're getting into the first generation now of kids, you know, when they grow up since oh. birth, their life will have been documented online because their parents are uploading photos all the time. And yeah. I wonder how that's going to affect them. And will it be easier to bully kids then if you, you know, can see everything from birth? Um, or will they have some type of different sense of self-worth if everything's always been online or a distorted sense of reality? I think that part's interesting. And I also think this is also going to be the first generation, specifically, I would say, from around 2007, 2008 and moving forward, but probably even more so the last four or five years, is the the kids, you know, the babies from that time period moving forward, from those years moving forward, will be the first kids who, and then people who grow up as adults, who in their baby and developmental years, they looked over at their parents and saw their parents looking down at their phone.
0: Oh, yeah. And like back to your point about having their pictures on social media, aside from having their entire life on the internet, it's like the concept of growing up and constantly being photographed is weird.
2: Yes. Yes. But that's, no. but that's the norm, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, where, and, I don't know. I don't, are you, do you, it's like, well, we don't have kids yet, so we don't know how we're going to be, but I'm not actually not on social media. Like I'm on Twitter, but of course I'm not, I don't post photos or I don't like write anything personal. I'm not on Facebook, Instagram. And I, I, I wonder how I, I probably will take pictures of my child. I just will not post them anywhere. Um, but it's hard because you want to capture, like, that beautiful smile or that moment. But it's also, like, how are you affecting your child by constantly having, like, a fo- you know, camera in their face?
2: Right. Well, yeah, my, my brother and his wife, they have a two-year-old daughter. And they take a lot of photos, but then they just share it between our – like, in a text message, it goes out to our family. Yeah. And they've, like, carefully selected a handful of photos that they actually put on their Facebook um, yeah. but it's not like the everyday stuff, but you know, it's like maybe every like six months a photo goes up.
0: That's great. I like that about them. That's amazing. Cause a lot of my friends who have kids are just like, it's every, like it's five times a day. Yeah. It's yeah. Like and it's, it's. I'm like, you're not getting paid. You can slow your roll.
1: <laughs>
2: <gasps> and I, I yeah, I, I just, I wonder like, how's that going to affect these kids as they grow up? Um, Cause, and, and again, even like, you know, they look back and their parent, they're, they're used to seeing their parents looking down at their phone. So then that becomes a normative behavior when they're a little older. And even more so than that, you know, like, what's the thing we always did as a kid? We'd say, Mommy, Mommy, look, I'm about to go down the slide. Right. And if you're saying that and Mommy's looking at her phone, do you then look to. So as a kid, you look to parent to seek approval. Parents looking down at phones. So then so do you then transfer it and say, oh, I need to get approval from the phone.
0: Oh, that's an interesting thought. Right? I don't know. Yeah. That <laughs> is interesting. And we're also going to all have, like, neck issues.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. I mean, and I, I just even look at the number of times going through Chicago, and it might be a little bit different because everyone drives in L.A., but the, I'm surprised people aren't hit by a bus more frequently because they just, like, blindly cross the street while on their phone. Oh,
0: my God. So dangerous.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a whole...
0: I think texting and walking is more dangerous than texting and driving by like a lot. Mm, I don't know I if mean, I agree
2: with that. If And I say that because you can, you have a weapon on your hands if you're behind a wheel.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're protected by the car. Whereas like when you're just walking, you can get run over and you you don't get hit. You just get, you die. Yeah.
2: I, so I guess I mean for the other person, not for you. Oh. For damaging other people. <laughs> Because one of the things I always, so, like, you'll always see people, like, once they get to a red light, then they'll look down at their phone.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And it's not even when they, it's not even when the car stops. It's as they are braking, they'll start to look down at their phone.
0: That's like in L.A. that's like the whole time. You yeah, know what I yeah,
2: mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everyone's <laughs> always in traffic. But when you, when you look at that, what I always, and you know what, there hasn't been at least a documented case of this yet. So maybe I'm like stupidly paranoid or stupidly concerned, but what I look at it as when you're looking down at your phone, you, you know, a lot of times you miss when the light turns green, right? Or, or, or maybe someone behind you honks because they want you to inch forward. Well, if you're looking down at your phone and then someone honks, instinctively, you're going to hit the gas. What if there's a pedestrian crossing in between the cars at that time? Yeah. You're going to sandwich them and potentially kill them. <laughs>
0: Yes, this is true, and I don't know about all the people in LA, but a majority of the people that I know, when we're walking, we definitely look at the car to make sure that the person made eye contact with us before we, like, walk in front of them.
2: I do that, yeah, yeah, I I do that, and I don't know, maybe, we're talking about it, so maybe more people do it, too, we just, no one ever talks about it, but yeah, Yeah. I I always look at that, or I look at, I look at, are they looking down towards, you know, like, looking down generally means they're looking at their phone, right, Uh, and I'll, and you know, a lot of times I wanna like yell at them if their windows open being like, You shouldn't text and drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they would probably get mad at you. <laughs> <laughs>